So here we are. All right. I'm going to drop the intro and then we can start. Welcome to the Happy and Holy podcast um, with your hosts, Jamie. Hello. And me. It is Wendy. And um, wow, first episode. We're going to drop this first episode. If you're wondering where this came from, we don't know. Just here we are. Like this, there's no, in, there's no huge intro. There's no trailer to this podcast. Um, there's no newsletter, nothing. We're just here. We're here. And the Happy and Holy podcast, the name is coined from a phrase by the world's most famous Bulgarian, Georgian, Banoff, one half of the Joy Apostles of uh, Georgian and Winnie Banoff. And the phrase goes like this, says the world wants you happy, but not holy. Religion wants you holy, but not happy. But Jesus came to make you both. That was legitness. Yeah, it was. It's absolute genius. It's genius. It's so holy. <laughs> it's so holy. It's holy. And it's good news. If anyone tells you that you have to lay down your happiness to follow Christ, I say run. Any sermon that begins with the lines of God cares more about your holiness than your happiness, run. Run from the man in the pulpit. Run from the congregation. If, run from the elders. If the pastor, and I'm, and I'm air quoting here because anybody who knows anything about fivefold, first of all, if anybody says that at all, they think they're a pastor and they don't know what fivefold is. If anyone says that from a pulpit, they are also stealing other one-liners from the church from year 1979 to 1995. Not any after, not any before, just no. the phrases from those years. I don't know how, like maybe they got in seminary, like a booklet where <laughs> one liners, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, one liners, our best, like one hit wonder top <laughs> one liners that drive congregations wild. And it's like a, a pamphlet they give out to students, like somewhere <laughs> in the middle of their seminary course like maybe smack dab in the middle and they probably have a pop quiz on it and they just draw <laughs> from that for the rest of their careers here you go young son now that we've we've sucked all the life out of you and now that we've given you no reason to have joy here is this book of one-liners that are from the old wine skin so you can feel right in this and feeling this way and justified in having this perspective Yes. Um, God cares more about your holiness than your happiness is right next to Sinner Saved by Grace. Right next to it. It's probably in the same book as, I don't know, the teacher is always silent during the test. Yes. I would think it's right next to, I'm um, just wrestling my flesh today. Because Jesus didn't kill it for you. Wasn't enough. <laughs> the book of one-liners. 
I know this book exists because there's no way that this repeated phrase keeps resurfacing in modern day um, sermons. There has to be a book because this broken theology, this thinking, thinking has to come from somewhere because it's repeated. It's not new revelation. It's just regurgitated hand-me-down nonsense. And it's been said for so long that people think it's scripture. It's scripture. But here's the good news. The good news is the gospel. And Jesus not only came to give you life, but life abundantly. And he cares about your happiness and your holiness. It is him who gives you joy. He actually is your joy. And he actually is your holiness. Holiness is not a um, fruit. It is a person. And it is Jesus. And joy is not just a feeling. It's a person. It's Jesus. And so you don't have to forsake one or the other. The question that I posed to a modern day preacher who had um, posted a blurb from his sermon using this hot tagline was, why is happiness affiliated with sin? Because he was like, God cares more about your holiness and your happiness. You don't have to live like the world does. He wants, he wants you to be holy. But why does happiness belong to the world? Why can't Christians be happy? And it's this whole thing. And Jamie, I would love for you to like fill in here. But it's this whole idea that we're allowed to be joyful, but we can't be happy. But how did we get to joy without happiness? Mm. Happiness, so many times, I think this is said, happiness is circumstantial. So obviously like you can get happy from having a good day, a relationship starting, Mm. a really good night's sleep. You can have so many things that can make you happy. These are all circumstances. And I think where the church really messes up is they want you to have joy, but in their minds, that joy is not based on circumstances. But joy is based on a circumstance. Joy is based on Jesus coming, God coming to earth as man, dying, getting buried, resurrecting, Mm. and ascending to the right hand of the Father. And on top of all that, taking us with him. Having us and our old selves die with him, be buried with him, raised with him, and brought back to life and to the father with him. Mm. So this circumstance is something to be happy about. (laughs) It's also a circumstance that is not conditional on time because you can get a new job one day and lose it the next you can start a relationship and it can end and these are circumstances that will be always changing so your emotions will change with them the surface emotions on top of your baseline your baseline is joy because the circumstance that that is based on is outside of time because jesus is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world so not only is this a circumstance and one that's outside of time Um, it's also one that unless you know exactly what that circumstance does for you, 
you're not going to be able to be joyful or happy about it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But if you know what this means for you, then you can actually have genuine joy because you need a circumstance to base it on. But let it be an eternal one because then you will always be joyful whatever surface emotions you go through on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. The cross is our circumstance and that's why we're happy. And the root of the foundation of every believer and the why to your salvation is whenever people come to me and they're struggling um, with joy and they don't know where to start and they don't know where to begin. How do I reattain my joy? I always ask them the question, are you happy that you're saved? Are you happy that you're saved? Start there. Yeah, sure. I could ask them, are you joyful that you're saved? But does it bring you joy? Does your salvation bring you joy? And um, then, like, some people are like, of course. Of course I'm happy I'm saved. Well, then act like it. Maybe put a smile on your face. But um, the idea of forsaking happiness for holiness is old wineskin theology that has not helped anyone, as you can see. And so the Happy and Holy podcast is here to bring you both joy and holiness all through the person, the deity, the savior, the Messiah, the lamb, the lion, (laughs) Jesus. And it's only through him that we experience that. But I just challenge you the next time you hear that poo-poo gospel to just ask somebody why does happiness belong to the world which is I just need somebody to answer me that because when it ever comes to God caring more about your holiness and your happiness why did we give happiness to the world why does sin have to equate happy I'm happy not because I sin (laughs) I'm happy because I enjoy the weather I'm happy because I live in Dallas, Texas, and it's 90 degrees. I love the weather. I'm happy because I have electricity. I'm happy because I have a job. All these reasons why I'm happy does not equate to sin. There are reasons why I'm joyful, but um, let's not, because the reason why um, we have like these thoughts, you know, is because oftentimes you hear people who talk about coming to the Lord and having been saved and they go like, well, I left all this behind. Like, and they think that they have to leave behind the things that make them happy. And then we get a lot of grumpy Christians and the grumpy Christian is a bad witness. And so because people don't know, you're allowed to be happy. Why wouldn't I be happy? Jesus is my joy. I mean, anyway, I can go on forever, but it's the reason why we're here. So this Happy and Holy podcast is here because, well, no one else thought of it. And so here we are doing it. (laughs) And, um, you know, like, I guess people are going to be like, well, who are you? And who are you? And what do you know about that? And are you a theologian? I am by no means, by no means a theologian of any sorts, except I love the gospel and I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it's God's power and means of bringing salvation to his people. And so because I love the gospel and I love to talk and I love Jamie and I love technology, and social media can be okay. Uh, we decided to do the cast cast, and so here we are. And by no means and by no credentials other than knowing Jesus and loving Jesus, and there's a lot of bad news out there, and we just wanted to bring you good news. 
and um, which is why we decided to cast. And I had another thought, but it flew out of my mind as quickly as it came. But I will say that um, I don't need credentials in order to present the gospel to you in a way where you would understand it, you would digest it, um, and you can test it too. And so um, that's why we're here. We just wanted to do a little cast cast. The other options that are out there, a lot of things that are just not gospel. (laughs) And people use their credentials to shove down, shove bad theology down your throat. And my credential is Jesus and being in union with him. My report card is him. It's his righteousness. And so um, I just want to empower you and encourage you too. But I here vouch for Jamie. And I hope Jamie vouches for me, but we are just two ladies who love the gospel and we love joy and we love Jesus. So we're here. Yeah, I definitely vouch for you um, as one of the wisest women I know, um, not just in relational and life wisdom, but in scriptural wisdom as well. And I know every time that I call you or say something, um, that I've seen or experienced, be it at a church or in a non-church related experience, you always have something scriptural to say about it. Um, And the other thing I wanted to say too, when it comes to saying like, oh, we're not theologians, I think we need to remember the absolute trash that's coming out of seminary lately. (laughs) And I'm going to do this in the classiest of ways by dragging a person. Now, there is a man who is a reverend at a small church in Massachusetts, and he he's the reverend of my grandmother's church, and he has said from the pulpit that he believes that every person gets into heaven. Oh, he's one of those. Yes. So this is basically universalism. Now he has not said this before he, so he went to two seminaries. He went to Princeton and then to Harvard divinity school. So these are the most respected schools in our country. These schools are what is accepted as this is the top of the top. And we can very quickly see with schools that were really great in their history, get really off um, the further we go along. And so we're seeing now more than ever respected institutions, the ones that people would say, oh, if you've got this degree and this stamp of approval, then you must know your stuff. But what we're finding now more than ever is that these respected names tend to bring out a lot of heresy and even most Christians would, would be able to say like, oh, he said that like Buddhists get into heaven from the pulpit. That's heresy. And that's a belief he has because of his time at Harvard. Another pastor, um, well, reverend at a church very, very close by my grandmother also loves. This woman also believes that Buddhists get into heaven. Everyone gets into heaven. This is heresy. Wild. This goes straight against scripture. Right. Anybody, I really hope anybody who really believes the Bible and goes to most mainline Christian churches can at least agree the only way to the Father is through Jesus. If our top 
respected schools are teaching otherwise, if the theologians who are tenured professors at these places are preaching heresy, what value is being a theologian or going to a great school when you're coming out spewing lies? So I think we need to just recognize that the formalities that are in the world today are of little to no value when it comes to truth. And two, if something is true, that means that everything else is a lie. So there is a correct way to interpret scripture and there is no other way. We will, as we fumble towards truth, we will end up maybe in lesser truths. We may be wrong, but we strive towards that perfect that perfect truth. And I think we've seen um, in the church history where we get closer and closer um, to understanding the fullness of what God was saying when in previous generations, maybe we couldn't understand the fullness of it. This is something right. that we have to be okay with, that we wrestle with, with truth because what good is faith if it can't stand up to a, a few questions? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Faith is meant to be tested. Mm-hmm. What good is faith if you can you trust everything that you see and you can only rely on what you see? What's the point of faith? Um, I think in the terms of wisdom, it makes me think of First Corinthians around like the twenties ish, but like Paul saying like, and where are your scholars and your philosophers and like all these people? And I, to me, I'm interpreting like where are all these people with their credentials? Where are your credential peeps? Um, And Paul is like asking, he's bringing them to the table like, hey, come here, let's have a conversation. Because the only thing that Paul could rely on was the wisdom that came from the Lord, which is why he talked about the foolish things that would confound the wise. But um, in terms of wisdom, I am not afraid to say I don't know. And I will never filter, I will never not filter a question um, through the Lord. I'm just someone who like, I have to process with him and I joke around. So like, I'm, you know, I'm in my early thirties and I joke around with how much I love my thirties rather than my twenties. And I said, in, in my twenties, I thought I knew everything. And in my thirties, I was wise enough to know I don't. And so where it, where I, where the convergence happened with laying down my preferences or my intelligence or laying down my pride and arrogance. I laid it all down to know the things of God and to understand his mysteries. I still don't know everything and I'm still processing. And there'll be times in this podcast where you'll even hear things that I, I, it's an open-ended question, but um, I don't have to, it's almost like I'm grateful that I don't have credentials in this area to rely on because um, now I can come to you as a layman, I can come to you as like just as a, a, a civilian, a citizen. Here I am. And um, so I, I would pray that you just receive our words as somebody who just is receiving from the Lord. Um, James talks about you like you if you want wisdom in this area, just ask. And I'm somebody who asks a lot of questions. And so um, which may sometimes make me a skeptic or sometimes it may make me critical. But um, it's between me and the Lord, and he'll make my path straight. And so I'm, so I'm excited. I'm excited to do this. 
this is considered the intro and I don't think it'll ever be this long again um, because this is just the preliminary. This is us just kicking it off. This is the kickoff. See the football launching? It's going. And so here we are. And here's Happy and Holy. We're going to transition. So um, throughout the show, whatever, whatever the episodes end up like, we don't know. But we'll try to have a blueprint because we need to have some type of structure. Charismatics don't like that word. Structure. Okay. Um, So we'll have fun segments. You know, Um, we'll have the word of the day. We'll have good theology, bad theology. We'll do a proverbial fire tunnel if we could, if we may. Um, I'm excited about all things of this show. One of my, uh, one of the things I'm most excited to talk about is, um, entertainment and pop culture and music, all things that both Jamie and I really, really love. And, um, I am a pop culture connoisseur. And so, and it's a passion, it's an industry that I had always been passionate about. I studied radio and television broadcasting in, in college. And so here I am still working in media and I'm a big fan. And so um, that's also the heart of the show, I think, is coming from. And so, again, as much as happy and holy is as much holiness as it is happiness, we pray that you are also informed, but also entertained. And so hence the segments of the show. And um, we hope you enjoy. But Jamie, did you hear Carl Lentz is back in ministry. Wow. Yeah, back in ministry. He's made his return. He's made his return. I'm not mad about it. I don't think the general public feels the same way. But I'm not mad about it. Um, <laughs> like, listen, this world can be very unforgiving. We who know God should act differently. But I'm just saying this world is very un- unforgiving. But Carl Lentz is back in ministry. I believe he's being installed as a staffer through, um, I believe the church is Transformation Church, which is with Pastor Mike Todd, who is um, very questionable to me. I know um, a lot of people love him because he's very, um, he's got a lot of charisma and he's entertaining and he looks cool and he dresses cool and um, they love his delivery. And so that I may not touch this time, but I will say this about Carl Lentz. I love opportunities to restore people back into the kingdom. I especially love opportunities where we can restore leaders back into leadership. I believe it was very much like um, the end of John, the end of Gospel of John, when Jesus went to Peter and he had, um, you know, this moment of redemption when Jesus asked Peter three times, as many times as Peter denied him, he asked him three times, do you love me? And he asked him to feed my sheep. The same Peter who denied him was the same Peter who um, Christ said to him, I will on you, on Peter, Kepha, um, I will build my church. And so the same man who still had a fault. And Jesus did not say at the end of John 20, uh, around 20, 21, 22 the end of John he did not say hey now I'm taking back the prophetic word that I had for you because you made a mistake no instead he he restored him he redeemed him 
and he put him back into place, put him back in ministry. And so um, I'm all about pastors being restored into the kingdom um, as long as they're getting the help they need, the guidance they need, the accountability they need, and the healing that they need. So I'm not mad about it. You probably won't hear that from a lot of people. I don't know why. A lot of people just love to point the finger, point their wrinkled little, you know, ashy fingers, but they'll point and they'll say, what is he doing back in ministry? He cheated on his wife. He broke up his family. But I'm here for it. And um, <laughs> it's, it's very unconventional, but I'm here for it. Also, Jamie, did you hear? Black China got baptized. I did hear about this. I also heard about the removal of her Baphomet tattoo. Ooh. Who's Baphomet? Um, so she is a goddess. Oh, it's a she? Honestly, who knows? Um, it's the, it's the, um, no, it's, it's the, it's like the pan God, isn't it? It's the, isn't it the pan? I, I'm not. I didn't take demonology in a seminary, so I'm not sure. I'm not well rested enough for, for (laughs) demonology right now. I'm pretty sure it's the two finger. Um, isn't it the two finger with the horns? All right. Oh, I thought that was Gwen Stefani. <laughs> oh my gosh, Gwen. R.I.P. to the real Gwen. <laughs> she hasn't been herself since Love Angel Music, baby. <laughs> um. Okay. We just speak glory over this phone and we're not receiving any of this. So Baphomet is a deity allegedly worshipped by Knights Templar that subsequently became incorporated into various occult and Western esoteric traditions. The name Baphomet appeared in trial transcripts for the Inquisition of the Knights Templar starting in 1307. Okay, so I'm very happy that um, of all the things I did not know in my current... um, (laughs) current state of uh not having slept enough last night that i didn't (laughs) i'm really glad that this is not one of the demons that's in the bible because i would have felt a little bit um a little bit ashamed about that but it i was right about the the two fingers um so there's a there's a good look at that guy it's yeah it is very pan-esque oh wow goat man two fingers to the sky two fingers to the ground moon pentagram on the head ugly so that was tattooed on her. Yeah. Ugh. But it's removed. Mm-hmm. Because the I girl have, got baptized. I have heard that that is um, a part of some witches' initiations mm. where, like, you you reach a certain level and then you get this tattoo. Uh, but I'm not an expert on that, and I'm sure there's probably going to be a listener who would love to inform us. <laughs> you can always let us know. I think we have an email. Much, I, we can't promise we'll care, but you can let us know. You can let us know. It might be. Yeah. Who knows? You can tell us. We love useless information. Um, <laughs> but I will say this. Speaking of witches, is it not ironic that um, Black China has spent all this time away from the Kardashians and then all of a sudden she finds the Lord? Just saying. Just saying. It's like the farther you get from that family, the more clarity you have. Mm. All of a sudden you see the light. You just see the light. I, I almost I almost made a Kanye joke, but I'll save it for another show. 
I was but, um, And I feel free. <laughs> I wonder how this will affect Rob. Yeah. Yeah, kinda, I'm curious. I kind of wonder if she, because gr- this is not part of Christianity. This is very much an AA thing, but I think there's something about <laughs> being with Jesus that makes you want to apologize for when you see yourself clearly and you see who you were clearly, you're like, oh, man. That was awful what I've done in the past. I wonder if she would, especially since her and Rob have a kid together, I wonder if she would try to make amends or would she try to stay away from that whole clan? I think I saw something about her wanting to make amends in the, for the sake of peace, wanting to keep peace between the family. So I can give props to her for that. I just, I would keep my child away from her as well. But now that she has been baptized, greater is he that is in her than the witches in her family all right uh jamie what you got so uh continuing in the drama unfolding between selena and Haley, because let's not pretend that justin has anything to do with this oh yes yes (laughs) so Haley between the former and the current lover So hey, the let I'm gonna rephrase just to bring everybody down to earth. Yes. The beef between the childhood sweetheart and the wife. True. True. The true. Thirteen-year-old true. love story. Yes. And true. the adult woman <laughs> wife. True. So. <laughs> Haley, I'm sure anybody who's been on social media at all on any of Haley's accounts, um, they've all had comments turned off. For a while, they weren't turned off. They were on, and it was a lot of pro Selena comments. It was I couldn't believe how much class she had to keep the comment section open. What's her crew called? The who Haley's crew? Uh, or or Selena. Selena's Selenators, I believe. Selenators. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were leaving a lot of uh, Selena comments on her pages. Um, her comments have been since turned off because she Bummer. was getting death threats and had to reach out to Selena to get Selena to get her fans to back off. Um, and Selena is really good at being publicly classy and publicly very sweet. Be careful with these people. People who who are sweet and easily digestible are the kind that turn in your stomach. Yes, true. The so, poor girl next door who just so happened to be the victim and doesn't know what they could have ever done wrong. Oh my gosh. So Selena did post, I, I believe it was in her Instagram stories, telling her fans to back off and to be kind. Um, I don't have the exact transcript, but the gist of it is she did uh, tell her fans in the most saccharine of ways that her values and what they're doing do not align. And so the drama continues with uh, Selena just sitting back and letting her fans do the heavy lifting Eat and up. her never doing a thing about it 
to stop it until Haley had to reach out. Um, and Haley really taking the abuse like a champ until it got um, to the territory of death threats. Yeah, for sure. So um, <laughs> it's really, honestly, it's about these fans at this point. They're delusional. And- yeah, it's such an unhealthy allegiance Mm-hmm. so unhealthy in any like in any theme in any story arc just you know like I could name countless like you know even with like Johnny Depp Amber Heard like all these you know when it when they just pick a side it there's always like one side that's like mediocre unhealthy but I mean there is a side that's really unhealthy and so um which tends to like does that reflect the person that they're pledging allegiance to um, that's an open-ended question. I wonder. Are we saving that for later? Oh, that no, I, I mean, let's go for it. Like, I'm wondering, does that is that the reflection of the mindset of those people who are like, like the Selenators, Selenators, whatever have you? Like, what does it say about Selena, the type of people that not only back her up but are willing to send death threats on her behalf? I mean starting the, the the easiest way to start this is like, oh, these people have no lives, but no, we need to take this deeper. What kind of person does this? Um, and I of all people understand loyalty to a childhood um, hero. Right, right. For, for my generation, this was the Olsen twins and whoever wrongs the Olsen twins, it's like you've wronged my family. I understand that. Um, but we need to really look at what's going on here. Um, I'm sure uh, there are at least some people who have seen the green line test on TikTok. I forget the name of the person who originated this, but you can easily find that when you see the man who does the TikToks about it, he, he goes by Jack McBarstool. And so he will credit the originator of the green line test. And I left a comment on one of his videos saying to do the green line test with Justin and Selena and Justin and Haley. And he did oblige. And I'm sure, I'm sure he was planning on doing it anyway, but I just was reminding him, this is what the fans want. And give the people what they want. Let's, let's just be realistic here. We need to agree on one thing before we begin. And that is biblical marriage standards last because we were designed by a designer. And when we operate in that design, we have ease when we do anything and we will be um, successful and at peace in it. So when it comes comes to marriage, biblical marriage, biblical marriage. Yeah. If we're not not talking about biblical marriage, like I don't know, I don't care. Don't, Don't at me. You're not involved in the conversation. Women, there is a type of submission that is healthy in that a man is sacrificially loving his wife and she feels safe. When that happens, she can respect and honor her husband. This is the balance. So the green line test is a physical representation of how each partner feels and how it would best align with the 
woman respecting and honoring her husband and a man being a safe covering that is sacrificial towards her. Oh, thanks for bringing that down. Cause I didn't. Okay, cool. I didn't know. I, all that. I, I, I believe this, this is not something that people who created the green line test say it is something that they see the evidence of, but they don't quite have the words for, but this is the physical. But we're record. seeing through the lens of the, of the gospel. Like we're seeing through the lens Biblical it's, lenses as how Ken we Ham see everything. Say. So I'm yeah. gonna get two pencils because Oof. I think that would be fun um, to explain the green line test. All right, the green is gonna be the boy because I'm not butthurt about my gender. Right. The pink is a girl. Um now the ideal situation with the green line test is that the woman would be leaning towards the man. Why? Because he's her support. Right. He, Right. He is her her leader, her guide, and um, her strength, and she is his helper, coming right up under that rib, kind of like Eve being pulled right out of Adam. Okay, this is the ideal. This is this Love is the it. design. When God pulled Eve out, he said, "Go get right back in that rib, girl." Uh, I'm taking notes. Okay, so this is the ideal. Now, second best is. Straight up and down. Both parties are confident. They are kind of their own self-support. Honestly, it looks like two friends, two single people at this point. Um, if you see me, any of my guy friends, I'm a straight up and downer. People will be like, are they even in a relationship? But, <laughs> but, but, but it's <laughs> for some people, this works. Some people are, are boss babes, but they're also not controlling, but they're still, they're straight up and down. Okay. Okay. This is. Um, this is where we get into bad territory. This is where the woman is straight up and down and the man is leaning now. Okay. A little bit of a personal note here. If you have this type of relationship, you will be as a woman under the illusion that you are safe. I've been this woman. You think I'm safe because he's dependent on me. I'm safe because I'm cooler than him. I'm more successful. I'm hotter, whatever. And he's, he needs me. He needs me. However, what ends up happening is men need to be dignified. Men need to feel respect and honored, and they, they need to feel like they're winners and champions. And leaders. And leaders. Yeah. When they don't get their needs met in this relationship, this man is more likely to cheat than this man. When it's mm-hmm. not doing this, when she needs him, he's this man not, not going anywhere. This man, right. cheater. Okay? Trust me. I've, I've, I've done these relationships. I'm telling you this so that you don't have to to learn this the hard way like I did. My self-experience. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So this is this is not a good situation. Now, the absolute worst is when the woman is leaning away and the man is leaning in. She ooh. is. Yeah, this is bad. Not yeah, only, ooh, that's worse than too straight. Yeah, she's. She's alphaing here, but here she's like, she's not only she alpha, she's getting the ick. One foot in and out the door. One foot in, one foot out. Mm-hmm. The, the other like extension of this text test is the box test, which is the woman's. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, reproductive organs. They're, oh, even lower. So this, Got it. The second part two of this is when the woman is facing towards the man with her box facing him. The box has been delivered. If the box is facing out to the world, the box is, she, she's not even in transit. No. 
Okay. The last element of the green line test is what you want to look for is the claw. Now this is when a woman has, has, she takes the claw out and she grabs the man. Um, okay. How do I, how do I do this to my own shoulder? <laughs> oh gosh. So the claw, it's really bad if the claws to the person's outside shoulder and pulling the man in it's, it's still bad if it's out and on the, the closer shoulder to her and pu she's pulling him in. You don't want the claw at all. You don't want okay. the claw. No okay. grasping. No claw. Women, women weren't supposed to be grasping and, and grabbing no. for things. They were supposed to be receiving things. Yeah, for like real. Open hands. Money. Like, hello? Like mm -hmm. jewelry and money. In the Green Line Test, which Jack McBarstool did run on TikTok, with the red carpet images, which again, um, if you've never seen the green line test, the test works only for posed photos. Um, it, it is best used on posed photos. Not video. Not video, not really candids. Um, selfies are actually very difficult to do with the green line test. It has yeah. to be a posed photo. Red carpets are perfect. Every time without fail, Justin and Selena were failing the green line test. She was leaning away. She was doing the claw. Her box was out to the world. She was not in it. And he was leaning into her. And every time without fail, Haley and Justin were passing. For the most part, they were both up and down. They are now they are closer in height um, as well. People say that makes She's a tall girl. It, it doesn't. Um, Jack has run this test with people who have despairing heights. The, the height does not make a difference in the green line test. It's effective Ooh. regardless of height, but I will say they are straight up and down, but the, the really good news with Haley and Justin is that when they were on the red carpet together, her hand was on his chest. It's a very good sign as somebody who has recently learned myself what like when you put your hand on the chest there is there's definitely respect and honor i'm like i found myself I, so. I was like oh my god i now i know what he was talking about and it happens subconsciously which again this test is effective because it's it's not something you can just pass because you know how to pass it she her hand is on his chest and um when they were kissing he did not lean and the 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 pose that he said was a very good sign her hand on the chest his hand on her butt it's Got a it. very very good sign i mean they're married so uh, please if you are married please grab your spouse's everything okay yes. that's very very healthy desire is very good yes so desire is very good so you know so in the i guess you know so your question is like why the hell are you guys talking about this um, in the context of honoring marriage, hello, like, I feel like we have grown cold as a society because people want to throw at us the, um, divorce rates and this, that, and the other thing, like, ah, oh, you guys, you know, it's like this, like, sovereign self and individuality, like, people love to run with that, and so you, like, when people, when there's news of people getting a divorce, people are just like, eh, that's just how the cookie crumbles, but it's not normal. And so um, to me, it, and I love, like, I love entertainment, like, 
um, junk food. Like I love to know these things and it's fun to me, whatever. But it was very common sense that this like Haley Selena beef was going to be diffused very quickly because Haley's married at the end of the day, she won. So I don't know, like there's nothing to resurface and there's nothing to debate because the girl is married. Justin put a ring on that. Um, And so it was weird for me when this was like, just like flaming hot off the press, maybe like a month ago. It was weird to me to even see friends like on my timeline who were like resharing and posting pictures of Justin and Selena and being like his true love. He's married to Haley Bieber. Okay. I don't care what your opinion is of Selena anymore because we're honoring the fact that they made a covenant. This may be like just like a boomer ideology, but let's honor the fact that they made a covenant before God and got married. Um, And for you to think that it's okay to desire a man to leave his wife to go be with his high school sweetheart is toxic. Very toxic. That deserves a pow-pow, like right on the head, because you shouldn't think like that. Um, Now, if they were dating, if like Justin was dating Haley and then like Selena was trying to come back in the mix, which I think had happened at some point. um, And like you guys were debating, then who gives a rip? I, I don't. Okay, like may the best girl win. But Justin decided to wife her up. So the debate of Justin, I mean, of Haley or Selena should have ended at the wedding ceremony. It should have wet. It should have ended at I do. Um, As far as them dating, who cares? Like and I will say, though, on. For having been someone who had been on the other side of um, receiving discourse from other girls due to the guy I was dating and for people to wish our relationship come to an end. It's very unhealthy (laughs) for girls to just wish for the demise of someone's relationship. It's weird. Um, Now, if you're like, hey, he's like really toxic hey, she's in danger, hey, she's delusional, da-da-da, I get it. But this whole, like, um, he's attractive and he should be with me and therefore I wish that you guys aren't together or why does she get to be with him? I wish they would break up. It's very unhealthy, okay? And so um, I think it's crazy to me that girls (laughs) are so um, quick to think that way. It shows that you have a very unhealthy ideology of what relationships look like and how they should function and um you yourself probably have not been in a very um serious relationship because if you have been that's what i was feeling during the whole Haley Haley selena thing i was like for the people who are rooting for Haley and justin to break up so that he can get with selena you've must have never been in a real relationship because if you have been you don't wish for people to break up for the name, for the namesake of someone else, or just because you don't like them. So those are my thoughts during the whole thing. I didn't stay really close, um, closely, like, involved, because I just, I despise Selena Gomez. I just, I, I just, I could go on a tangent on her, but I just feel like she gave a very unhealthy, um, <laughs> she was very unhealthily promoted 
in this day and age where she, no matter what you put her in, looks like a 12 year old and they've sexually objectified her and she was okay with it. And I was like, I don't think they, they're doing that, honey, because they think you're cute. I think they're doing it because you look like you're 12. And so they put you in a bathing suit and they make you look hot because there's pedophiles out there who want to see you as a 12 year old and not as a 20, whatever you are. So I was never a fan of Selena. Um, I was like, she needs like something like, I don't know, like give her some wrinkles or something. I don't know, but make her look older because it wasn't doing it for me. Um, And then Justin and Haley, I just think they're so cute. Like people were sleeping on the fact of like, you know why I never thought he was going to second guess his marriage? Because like, he was so obsessed with his wife that like people were like unfollowing him on Instagram because he would like post a picture. And he'd be like, oh, my God, you're beautiful. Oh my, my wife is so hot. Oh, my God. And people were like, oh, OK, we get it. You love your wife. Like, we're so bored with this. And so I was like, do you guys did you guys forget how obsessed he was with Haley? Like. Why? Why? And um, so anyway. I, I think, too, like people forget about their their love story and that they broke up and he went to win her back. Ooh. Mm-hmm. She went this. to a birthday party, a mutual friend's birthday party, and he pursued her there. Had to Cute. win her back. Cute. So they have their own love story and people f- forget that. Um, And on the note of you – talking about the the selenators who are actually invested in this um and more so than in the way of like oh this is nostalgic for me them together the ones who are really upset and you saying they've never been in a serious relationship to me what a selenator who is actually participating this is giving is the type of girl who's so delusional that she gets crushes on guys that she doesn't know versus say the girl who likes a guy she's friends with and actually knows the girl who actually knows this guy knows why she likes the guy. She knows the qualities he has. She knows who he is and what he likes and why she likes him. But I want you, if you are this person, ask yourself, Were you this girl and are you still this girl? The girl that has cast a man in her head and instead of actually observing his real qualities, who he actually is as a man, you have created a character and then you put him in that role. And what movie or TV show or book that you got these qualities from did you find and then like just seem to be putting different men in that same role your whole life. Right. Because if you're doing that, that's not healthy and that's not loving. No. And honestly, I don't think that there is one Selenator who's getting involved in this drama who isn't that girl. Who isn't that girl. And that's sad and so pathetic. And I mean, it is sad, unrealistic. You may not be living in reality. But the good news is, if that's you, I feel like this is like one of those um, uh, infomercials. But if that's you, you could email us at happyandholyco at gmail.com and we will pray for you. Because there may have been some unrealistic expectations set before you that you may need to be 
prayed broken off of, you know, in the name of Jesus. And so um, we're just here to tell you it's unhealthy and do something about it. And also on a practical note and an emotional health note, if you are that girl and you don't want to be that girl and you're going to end your flop era, I highly recommend How to Get a Date Worth Keeping by Henry Cloud. It'll really calm your tits about dating. Ooh, Henry Cloud. I haven't heard that name in a minute. That man never lost his wisdom ever. Henry Cloud. That's wild. Evergreen content. Evergreen content. Oh, 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 we'll talk about the evergreen. Oh, we'll talk about the evergreen. Oh, that's real fun. Well, that was fun talking about, that was fun talking about Justin and Haley and Selena. Talked about a little Black China, some Coral Lintz. My gosh, that was really fun. So I think um, Taylor's on tour, and that's interesting. Uh, (laughs) T-Swizzle, whatever they call her. I am by default as a John Mayer enthusiast. I am um, just in fight or flight mode when I hear the name Taylor Swift, just because that woman tried to single-handedly destroy his career. And so um, to me, she's always been sus, but now she's on tour. I don't know for what. I, I, I have lost track of albums that she has released, but I will say this. And you will hear it here first. Taylor Swift is to white people what Beyonce is to black people. It's true. You can fight me. You'll lose. But whatever chokehold she has white people on and white passing, since that's like a word now, whatever chokehold she has these people on is the same chokehold that Beyonce has on black people. POC people of color um, because her music doesn't make sense and it's not really good. However, whatever spell she cast on people and now I say that and it used to be a haha, but apparently she's literally casting spells at her shows. Very similar to Beyonce. Mm-hmm. Might I add? So I'm just saying that, but she's on tour. I think it's weird. I don't hate the girl. I just strongly dislike her. But she has been sus to me since Dear John. She has been sus to me. And so I'm just putting it out there. But before anyone else says it, and if anybody else is wondering what is what is with Taylor Swift fans, they don't even know. They're under a spell. In Jesus' name, come out. Come out from them. Yeah, I I think um gosh, oh, a wild amount of opinions could just come out with Taylor Swift. But I think one thing that we can observe really is the sustainability of her friendships. It's one thing to not be able to hold romantic relationships together. And a lot of times I don't fault people for cycling through romantic partners, um, even though that is indicative of some unworked out heart issues But your friendships, I think, because they're not quite as close and also quite as um, weighty of a decision as a romantic partner, we can look at at Taylor's friendships and get a little suspicious of her um, (laughs) ability to hold on to good relationships. And I think the biggest example of this was her friendship with Carly Kloss. To be honest, like I don't really understand the appeal when it comes to her because I think – 
when girls like her, they think of her as like, oh my God, she could be my friend. Yes. And they also think like she could understand what I'm going through and she can help me through a breakup. She probably can't help you get into a joyful relationship, but she can help you through a breakup. And I think the issue here is that Taylor can't really maintain healthy female friendships. So she's not going to be your friend. She doesn't care what you're going through. Um, And, you know, from people I know who've known her when she was much younger, she was not a good friend to anyone. Um, Again, very self-centered. All right. Well, let's transition to word of the day. All right, so word of the day was inspired um, solely by me, but because I am in wowed, I am at in awe of the wisdom that Jamie has and the intelligence that she has um, when it comes to scripture. And also, like she's multilingual. I don't know if you guys know this, what Greek and Hebrew studying currently and is. Um, forever going to be a student of Greek and Hebrew and scripture. And so whenever I have a question um, about scripture and the origin of a word and um, Jamie, you can go into the whole spiel of the whole thing. Um, But when I have a a question about, I will like note by no at the drop of a hat, I will text this woman mid sermon, mid message, mid service. And I would be like, Hey, I need to know. Is this Bible or is this not Bible? And so um, word of the day um, is going to be a segment where she's going to be teaching us amazing, amazing text and um, showing us if if we even have like the means and the time or whatever, but showing us how to find the root of the word, the origin of the word and the understanding of the word, which is very important to know when you are reading scripture not even studying, but just reading so that you can understand the word for yourself. And so um, today, today's um, word of the day segment is inspired. (laughs) It's inspired by um, um, a little moment that I had in church a couple weeks ago. I was sitting in a service and uh, this preacher was preaching on John 4, specifically the woman at the well, which is like John 4, like verse 1 through 27. But I wanted to find the text that was in question. Um, so he's talking about the woman at the well, and he's talking about how Jesus was like talking to her. And um, he was like, hey, go get your husband. And she was like, I don't have one. And he's like, you're right. You've had five. And um, because Jesus had that word of knowledge, she turned around and she went to the village to go evangelize to them. Um, I'm paraphrasing because it doesn't say that in the text, but when she went to the village and told them about Jesus, that was her evangelizing. So if you didn't know, the first recorded evangelist in the Bible was a woman. Okay, so um, I'm looking for the text. Well, basically... Um, she went back, left her water pot, left her water pot, went her way, 
Okay, here it is. This is John 4, chapter 4, verse uh, 28. It says, the woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come and see a man who has told me all the things I have ever did. Could this be the Christ? And so I heard him like the, the, the preacher's going and he's like on fire, you know, he's preaching like a good message. And he's reading this text and also like, you know, thank God for projectors because they also put it on the screen as he's reading this text. And so in like plain as day, I see it on the screen. He's not paraphrasing and he didn't just like selectively choose the word men. It says here in the new King James, the woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, I was like, hold on, time out, pause, red flag, wait a minute. Why does it say, it says, she said to the men, I have never read that in my Bible, ever. And I also don't read the New King James. I read several translations, but not the New King James. And so um, I text Jamie. I'm like, dude, this guy is reading from the Bible. And this verse in in John chapter 4, verse 28, it says that she went to the men and said to the men, I was like, I've read people, I've 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 read the village. Um like uh, in the U version Bible app, there's this like beautiful option where you can select a verse and you can hit the word compare. And when you compare, it pulls up all the verses, right? So I've seen that text over and over and over again, never seen it say the men. And I asked her, what does it say in the Greek? Because what it says in the Greek is what I really want to know. Because what it says in the Greek is going to have the final say. And she said. So if you look at the Greek text, um, and please excuse me uh, if I mispronounce Greek, I learned how to read it, not how to talk to someone in Greek, also biblical Greek pronunciation is different than modern Greek. So don't at me on this. <laughs> um, yes. But um, anthropois. So um, it should be like in this plural form, it should actually be understood in this inclusive sense, uh, meaning mankind, both male and females. This is generally accepted in most translations of the Bible. Um, and this is accepted by scholars. So you will notice that in more modern translations, like a CSB um, or like even, um, I bet the NIV probably, the NET, those types of translations tend to defer to this rule. Whereas a lot of older translations tend to be very veered towards uh, making things more masculine. So these types of translations, those newer ones, are considered more accurate. So again, if you actually look at the text um, in the whole sentence, um, so the last bit, kai um, legai toy anthropois, Again, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing it, mispronouncing it, but anthropoi with the I 
and the S, I'm sorry, I actually don't know the names of the Greek letters. I just learned how to read it. I learned what I needed to read for biblical manuscripts. <laughs> but um, so anyway, the uh, that I and the S at the end is understood as inclusive. So when you actually look at the word, it is about mankind. It's about humankind. So it is not just in the word itself, which usually will mean human being, male or female, but in this context with the ending that it has, it is considered inclusive of both men and women. Mm. And I think too, um, we need to remember when we're talking about scripture, how much the Lord is speaking to mankind as a race of beings more so than about men or women, because Jesus came to redeem mankind. Yes. And he came as a man because Adam was the one given authority, um, was the one who Eve was taken out of. So in a way, in a way, I think we can look at any time mankind is spoken about in scripture, women should never feel left out. Right. Because Jesus, obviously within his ministry, did not leave women out at all, the way that he <laughs> treated them. But he didn't leave them out in the sense that he came – as a man so that he could put a woman in her correct place of honor. Right. Cause if he had come as a woman, I mean, think about the, the difficulty Whoa. and the disrespect That's and, a good point. and he, he wouldn't have been able to either honor woman or man. Right. In the right. context of the culture either. Right. Right. But as a man, he actually, as a protector and as someone who can um, have authority in that time, can actually bring respect and honor to all humankind. Right. Yeah, that's really good. I th the, you just touched on something and I'm like, whoa, he, it's not enough for him to have come as a woman, although cool, right? But, um, one of the things that I talk about, about when it comes to being a woman and how Christ has fully redeemed us as women and put us back into this place of authority. When he chose to be born of a woman, out of all of the ways he could have came, he chose to come born through a woman, the only way to be born, right? But he laid aside um, just not even his deity, but he, he laid aside even any pride that he could have had. Um, I don't think pride is the word, but he just humbled himself. And as God chose to be born through a woman, as God, he could have just appeared, right? But that takes humility to go through the birth canal of a woman and choose to be an infant and huge, okay? So it wasn't just that he, he didn't just come as a woman to redeem women. But he came as a man to redeem both mankind, right, and women, 
So mankind as putting us back in our place of authority, giving us dominion again because we had handed it over to um, the enemy, the punk. But he also came and as a man redeemed women, especially at a time where women were second-class citizens, where women were lesser than. And he came and he decided to show um, honor and respect to women and restore women into their right identity. And so I could go on about the, the, the intentional things that Jesus did through women, um, but I won't. We could save that for another show. But just the idea of, um, wow, you touched on this brilliant thing that he like it was it, he killed two birds with one stone. Pardon the pun, but he like restored man, but he also redeemed women. Um, by being born through one, by ministering to one. At the woman at the well is such, and it's for women, that's such a great story to just slow down, read, and chew because he first revealed himself as the Messiah to a woman, and it was the woman at the well. I think it's like Fotini or Pof, uh, yeah, Fotini, Fotini, right? Yeah. Uh, the woman at the well. And that same woman was the woman who was the first evangelist because they were like, well, you know, she would have to evangelize about Jesus. She did. She evangelized to them about the Christ. And so that she took the message of the gospel, the gospel and brought it to her village. So, um, yeah. So Anthropos is the word. And so in the new King James, this is why it is very important to read multiple translations. Like, you know, have your, have your translation for a season. I know Jamie, she like, she rotates translations and have your translations for a season. But don't let someone deceive you into thinking that one trumps the other or one is lesser than the other. I know that there we come from a circle where a lot of people like to judge translations. What matters is that you read the text. Some people are like, well, I don't read the message because that's for children. Whatever gets you to understand the fullness of the gospel, whatever gets you reading scripture and growing closer to Christ is the translation for you. And so if you are 64 years old, but you have the mental capacity of a 13-year-old, I'm not going to judge you for reading the the message. If you're 64 and you have the mental capacity of a 64-year-old and you want to read the message, I won't judge you either. I'm just saying don't be married to the translation. Because if we were, I would have never questioned when Homeboy was reading from the New King James and said that she she brought the message to men. Mm -hmm. And I was like, whoa. So I had to go to the genius who is Jamie. Jamie, the genius. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I will say too, um, when it comes to rotating your Bible translations or choosing a translation, definitely ask the Lord about what translation to you do at any Ooh. given time. And he will also let you know when to switch it up because so the word is truth, right? It's about getting truth from your spirit. Your spirit is perfect and your spirit knows truth to your mind, your soul to absorb that truth. So whatever translation is going to get you from a place of removing the bias and the lies that you believe that aren't aligned with the will of God and what he is saying in you and through you, for you and and for others through you what will actually get you believing and seeing truth? And for some people, the new King James may actually help them see truth. 
uh, because of their personal bias, but for some people, it will put them in religion. Mm. And so, whoa. <laughs> so you have to be diligent to be listening and obedient to what translation the Lord wants you in at any given time. And it's interesting to see, even for myself, the Lord will have me switch up my translation depending on the passage I'm reading sometimes. And for the most part, I would say for me, he'll have me do a translation for a, a season being, you know, a year, a couple years. And I still have my others that I cycle through, but he will, for the most part, have me in that one. Why, why that one for that season? It's what I'm receiving as truth. It's yeah. what's helping me to actually see truth. So for me right now, the Lord actually has me in the New Living Translation, which was a big deal for me. I, I was in the ESV for years and I loved it. And I- oh, they love the ESV in the South. Oh yeah. The, if I had been here, here I, w- I wouldn't have been in, as into it because I wouldn't have felt different and special, but I was in New York and I felt cool. <laughs> and a lot of people be very arrogant about that. That's the most literal translation, which um, if you talk to Bible scholars, there's like a definitely a debate on that. It's the ESV and the NASB um, that are generally by like biblical scholars considered to be the most <laughs> accurate. Um, but f- Unfortunately, uh, I got a little bit religious about my translations for a second. I didn't realize, but I was, you know, being very um, caught up in the I'm doing a word for word translation. And when I asked Wenny and um, my friend Karina about switching up translations, they both got NLT for me, which shocked me because I was like a thought by thought translation as my main. Are you serious? I'm smart. I can read biblical Greek. Why should I be in a thought for thought? But let me just give you an example of why I'm really glad that I switched for the season. Because again, this is about receiving truth, right? So we need to understand truth so that our mind can receive it so that our spirit can flow out of us more purely. Yes. So I'm going to give you the perfect example. This is a verse from Song of Solomon. I'm going to give it to you in the ESV. Um, I'm sure I can't remember the address, but I'm sure it'd be very easy to find because I'm about to quote it directly. His banner over me is love. Love. Okay. So when you hear that statement, you know, you get a visual like, wow, there's a banner over me and it says love and he loves me and there's a banner and that's great. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, that, that doesn't hit home quite the way that someone who was Hebrew would receive it. And there is a a bit of that um, interpretation when it comes to a thought by thought. It's how, how is this supposed to be received by the reader, whether it's uh, the message or it's the NLT or another similar thought by thought translation. It's about how it's received by the reader. Now in the NLT, this verse says, it's obvious how much he loves me. Whoa. Now I want you to think about in a relationship when you're with someone, how safe you feel when everybody can physically see how much the person you are with loves you. When they're physically affectionate, when they look at you, you can see the love in their eyes. When they speak of you kindly and passionately to others, it's they're not ashamed of you. 
maybe that's a lie that you believe about your relationship with Jesus or Father God that they're ashamed of you, but but it's obvious how much he loves you. It that's gives good. me this personal experience of I am in a room with the absolute bachelor of all bachelors, mm. the man that every girl wants, the guy that every guy wants to be, and that guy is absolutely down bad for me. Wow. How does that feel? That feels like the only I'm the only person in the room. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, yeah, you do you do feel disconnected. You know, you're saying it in, in the Hebrew context, like they would understand that. But his banner over me of love. I'm like, oh yeah, like wave a flag. And you kind of feel disconnected from that. But when you're reading from the NLT and it says he escorts me to the banquet hall, it's obvious how much he loves me. I'm connected to that. I'm like, oh, that's personal. Right. Yeah. And a um, couple other couple couple other translations. The contemporary English version says you led me to your banquet room and showered me with love. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? Like way different than banner. Right. Um, I'm just going to I'm just going to read the end of the, the message, because if I don't, I I, I feel like I'm going to explode. It says he took me home with him for a festive meal, but his eyes feasted on me. Mm. That makes me feel like the lover of my soul, like it's me and him and like the banqueting hall. And like it's like being at a party with your like significant other and like all the people in a room and you're sitting at the table, da da da. And then like you happen to look up and you look at it, take a glance at your significant other and you realize he's only staring at you out of everything that's happening in a room. This person's taking it to, you know, this person's telling a joke. This person's baby's crying. The dog is stealing food. And then you look up and you steal a glance from your significant other and he's staring right back at you. That makes me feel so connected to the lover of my soul. And so even in that, a verse that I've read time and time again, we feast on Songs of Solomon 2-4. We, we feast on that verse. And I have read that verse over and over, okay? And I'm still being awakened because that, that just took me to a whole nother. <laughs> it's obvious. It's obvious um, how much he loves me. Wow. <laughs> That's super good. That cooked me. I am cooked. I am stewed. That's good. Well, let's do a uh, let's do, <laughs> let's do a, a get it together. So, get it together is our um, healthy ranting session. Like maybe you're wondering or maybe you're questioning or maybe you're assuming was this podcast was this entire episode a rant and I tell you no this was all healthy discussion here but now we are shifting to a moment where we have we have a moment where we are going to call something out and encourage it we're going to call Call it into alignment, okay? Into alignment with the kingdom. With our segment called Get It Together, which, again, 
is a phrase that's coined by Jamie. I'm just going to say. It came from Jamie. I don't recall my first instance of using this, to be honest. I think it was Charlotte Traffic. I'm just going to say it may have been Charlotte Traffic. Uh... <laughs> but Get It Together is our is our healthy ranting session. I feel like that's where we start to land a plane. And so of all the things that we're going to do on this podcast, sometimes you're going to you're going to listen in or watch however whatever medium you connect with us. And sometimes we'll have guests. Sometimes we'll have segments. Sometimes the moments are holy. Sometimes they're joyful. Um, we don't know. We're kind of just going with it. But um, this particular segment, Get It Together, is where we healthily get it off of our chest. And um, we encourage you to get it together. And so for me, do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? It's your phrase. No, you please lead the way. Okay. 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 Well, for me, for the very first, very first episode of Happy and Holy, my get it together is TikTok theology. Listen, the theology that is running rampant on TikTok is so toxic. I want to love the Christian side of TikTok. There's so many different Christian sides of TikTok, too. There's, like, Jesus talk. There's Christ talk. There's Christian talk. (laughs) Revival talk. I'm telling you, it's all out there. But, dude, it's like you, you swipe, and it's so far extreme, like, uh, it's not even grace at this point. It's so far extreme. And then it's so heavy works. The law laying it down thick. Somewhere in the middle, I don't. I still don't even think it's healthy. Um, and I want to champion people who like have taken it upon themselves to minister on TikTok. I bless you and I bless that mission field. But let me tell you, it it's a jungle out there. But they need to get it together because what we what we don't do well is represent Christ. And um, by by which I mean this. We do the duetting and the stitching of each other's videos because we're just like, well, let me correct your theology there, Missy. And it's like so unnecessary and we tear each other down. And I think that um, I think there's a healthy way of like correcting someone like, you know, like, hey, you might want to take a look at this verse again or maybe read the verse in context and like, blah, blah, blah. I get that. Um, because whatever. Some people have the best intentions. I think most of Christian TikTok has the best intentions. I, I mean, I don't think they maliciously pull up their phone and start like recording themselves and then they're just like, I'm here to um, intentionally like derail you. I think they have the best intentions, but a lot of the theology out there is toxic. And the scary thought is that that's just a representation of the theology that's in the church. And so like, what's scarier than that is the comments. (laughs) Like it's one thing, the videos are one thing, but then you lay, you, you get reading the comments and I'm like, what do we even believe what's out there? 
and I, I just want to hide under my blankets and just like I'm just gonna look at cat videos and that dude who keeps doing the infomercials of albums I I love I love his TikTok um so I I don't know what they need to do maybe we need to have a lot less self-appointed preachers maybe um but Christian TikTok's got to get it together They really are embarrassing everyone. And it needs to stop because I get really bad secondhand embarrassment. And that's why I don't go to women's conferences. That's why I don't go to women's conferences. The worst theology is at women's conferences. And I, and I, I, I don't like, um, <laughs> I don't say it lightly because my church like has an amazing women's ministry. Um, but I still, you won't convince me. Because why is it that, why, why is the theology at women's conferences so terrible? I, I really don't understand because I think of anybody in the church that they don't have to try so hard to hang on to, it's the women. It's the women. Because women really genuinely do want Jesus and they genuinely want to grow spiritually. And also even the people that are there for husbands, they're still not going anywhere, even though their husbands are clearly not there. So it's not like you have to do anything to placate them to keep them around. No. You don't have to condescend. You don't have to always bring up Ruth or Esther or Deborah. Deborah. You could tell them literally anything. You just say there's going to be a women's event. Give them like one freebie that's not even that great. And just have someone speak any message at all, like the same as a Sunday sermon, and they would be there for it. You had them at tea and Lisa Bevere. <laughs> Lisa doesn't even have to be there. You could just be like, hey, someone um, who once spoke to Lisa Bevere will be there and her- Lisa Bevere's books will be on sale. <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. But we, we digress. That was women's women's ministry. But uh, TikTok Christianity. TikTok Christianity. Get it together. Okay, um, I know I, we touched on this earlier, but I really am not this pissed off about anything else right now. I, I would love to manufacture some anger about something that's maybe a bit more scholarly in the future, um, maybe a bit more respectable. But damn, do I hate these Selenators. Talk about it. All right, so I mentioned that Selenators are the girls that have crushes on guys they don't know and cast them in their heads as this, like, type of person that they aren't even that person. (laughs) Selenators are the type of girl that lives a world in her fantasy head and isn't out there actually doing anything about it. It's just, it's giving, like sad desperate i i just can't like it it makes me so upset because i've worked so hard on myself to overcome rejection Mm -hmm. um that i've personally felt and have felt um victimized by when at the end of all of that healing i realized majority of the time what made me a victim was me 
Mm. was the way that I saw myself and the way that I allowed people to speak to me or treat me. Mm -hmm. And maybe this is a bit more about me than it is about the Selenators. Um, (laughs) But I, I do think as something that I have greatly overcome to see that running rampant in women and then it being celebrated is absolutely disgusting because the only people that can set them free is themselves. Right. And to see them, I don't know if you've seen any of these TikToks where it's like, they'll talk about how, oh, Haley like got what she wanted, but it isn't working out. You don't know what her marriage is like. You don't know you what's don't. happening behind closed doors. You don't know what's happening even right now mm-hmm. um, as a result of all of this um, aftermath. Uh, they're acting like there's hope for Selena and Justin getting back together. There's not. It's so toxic and it's such uh it's so um, unrealistic, but they're like living in this false reality. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it's so gross. Um, and the thought I had to that, um, you were talking before about, um, man, oh, the Haley thing about you not knowing, you don't know what happens behind your closed doors or closed limos or whatever. So I just think that they're really, really reaching so far to get these ties and comparisons it's just so sad and embarrassing. I'm so tired of it. And I'm also really tired of it. But imagine how tired we are. Imagine how tired we are of it. I'm just like really like thinking they're they're right about Selena and Justin being back together or should be back together or that Haley and Justin have an unhappy marriage. Oh, and another thing that really pisses me off, a lot of people saying that Hillsong coerced justin into marrying Haley. like it was a whole plan i heard that okay here's the thing if you're a christian guess and you go to church your whole community will try to coerce you into like dating people that you shouldn't date marrying people you shouldn't marry because christians just are so gung-ho for marriage they they love it they idolize it they just want it there and also christians don't have sex before marriage and a lot of times people are just like they're like look I'm about to go buck wild or I need to get married and to get married and to burn with passion. And you know what? For those weak people who are not able to live a life of celibacy like this queen and do it for years and not be in relationships and be actually genuinely happy for those weak, weak people, those weak Christians, they get married. A lot of times they don't marry the best choice, but they married what they were able to love. And a lot of times those types of marriages do work out. So um, I just, I think people making it like, oh, Hillsong coerce them into getting married. I'm like, join any church in America and you will also be coerced into marriage. And be in community. It's, it's just what we do, okay? It's, 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 what, it's Christian culture. Be seen publicly with someone of the opposite gender at coffee and guarantee you your group leader, your small group leader will be signing you up for marriage counseling. Mm-hmm. 100%. It happens. It's just- it happens. So don't make this about Hillsong coercing anyone. This is just Christian culture. We just love marriage and we're not 
having sex before it. So it's this is it's for better or for worse. It's not the worst thing in the world. It's not the best thing in the, the world. Thing. It's a little bit embarrassing, but it's not it's not a crime. And if Justin wants to live his life right and not have sex before marriage, and he he loved Haley at the time he wanted to get married, and he really did love her, and he does love her. He made his choice, and now he gets to have sex and do it in covenant. And I think within that's a covenant thing, beautiful, wonderful thing. So the Selenators get it together. Get it together. Get it together. Stop publicly embarrassing yourself and secondhand embarrassing me. Well, thank you guys for listening to the Happy and Holy podcast. Um, with your ever so fired up guests, Jamie and Wendy. And so we hope you have liked our, our first episode today. Um, please like and subscribe and follow all the things you're supposed to do with podcasts. Wherever you see it, just go after it and share it with your friends. We love you, love you, love you. Until next time, be happy and holy.